know it less so. But he's speaking into their moment in time because in their culture, the predominant belief was dead is dead. And remember, these are probably first-generation Christians who are learning things for the first time. They don't have, you know, some great-grandma way back saying, when you die, you go to heaven. I hope you believe that someday. They have no context for that, right? They've got the context of their culture, and that's it. And so Paul's saying, hey, I need to teach you about this, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters is important because it's, it's his way of referencing the church, It is his faith family, those men and women who have believed in Jesus as he has. And that's important because everything that he says is true and it should be comforting and encouraging for believers. But you'll see in a minute he draws a contrast with those who are not his brothers and sisters in the faith. So he's talking to the church. Um, He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep. Now he's talking about dead people. They understood he was talking about dead people. He knows he's talking about dead people. We don't always say dead people even now, right? We say so-and-so passed away or so-and-so passed on. We don't like to use the word sometimes died. Um, I'm going to use the word died. I've tried to make it a part of my own practice to say the word died because one one of the things that our culture is not good at is dealing with the reality that every one of us will someday have died. And we have to deal with that. So Paul's saying, I, I have to teach you about this, brothers and sisters, concerning those who have died. Here he's talking about believers who have died. So that you will not grieve like the rest, like the unbelievers, those who aren't his brothers and sisters, who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So Paul's goal here is to address some potential confusion. And, and it's just so hard for us to, to imagine how a different culture responds to things. But you have to imagine that these folks, first of all, were, were first-generation believers. So they had no faith or no, no Yahweh faith background to rely on. They're in a different culture. And, and these folks are living not very long after Jesus died. So Jesus says, I'm coming back. These people get saved. And what they're seeing is their friends who are believers, beginning to die. And they are, our our best guess is they are concerned because some of them believed that when Jesus said, I'm coming back, that those who trusted in him would live until he came back. And so they have this question now. My friend believed in Jesus just like I did, and now she has died. Did she miss out? Did she not make it? Is she in the ground or in the tomb or or whatever they did? And and that's just it? And Paul here is trying to help them understand what happens when believers pass away. And he's trying to give them encouragement and comfort in the midst of their grief. Paul doesn't say, though, that grieving is wrong. We talk at Red Hill all the time about how it's okay to be not okay. Paul's talking about that here. He doesn't say you shouldn't grieve. He says you shouldn't grieve as one with no hope. The Bible tells us about holy grief. In Acts 2, the Bible tells us that devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. For you trivia nerds or Bible drill nerds, shortest shortest verse in the Bible. Everybody can memorize a Bible verse right here, right now. Shortest verse in the Bible. Who knows? Anybody? Jesse? Jesus wept over 
Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Jesus's friend Lazarus died. Here's the weird thing to me, a thing that I have a hard time wrapping my head around. Jesus spoke everything into creation. When he did that, way back before Genesis was written and recorded, he knew who Lazarus was and everything that was ever going to happen to Lazarus. Fast forward, Jesus is on the earth walking around. His friends come to him and say, hey, Lazarus is sick. He might die. He's like, cool, we got some time. He messes around, gets back. They're like, Jesus, dude, you didn't get here in time. He's dead. Jesus knows what he's going to do. Jesus knows he's about to call him out of the tomb. He's not dead for long. And still, Jesus wept. Jesus mourned. Jesus had this grief that death brings. So it's okay to have grief in death. Paul's point here was not that we don't grieve or we don't mourn. So don't hear that today. You can find plenty of churches that'll tell you if you're grieving or if you're mourning, something's wrong. You didn't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. That's contrary to the word of the Lord. We see that here. Paul doesn't say don't grieve. He says, don't grieve as those who have no hope. You have hope. Okay, so we talk about hope. We got to talk about the values of Red Hill. Welcome back to my GC. Okay, those of you who have been in my GC for a while, this is your chance to show off and show everybody why we're the better GC. At Red Hill, we have six values, six things that are particular to Red Hill that we say these are particular about us. This is who we are, and this is how we live out the gospel. So now it's audience participation time again. Hit me. What are our six values? Choose to hope. That's at Davis GC. One more. Be a friend, have fun. All right, Davis GC, you're done now. That's half of them. Bless the city. Send the best. Take a risk. All right. Those are the six values of Red Hill. If you're confused about that, go to GC or come to a member class. You should join us. We're awesome. Um, but w- the, the particular reason that we chose that value, choose to hope, is the same reason that Paul's talking about here. We have hope. We have a very real hope that is different from what walks around in the lost and unbelieving world. This is our hope. Verse 14, he says, if we believe, and this is not him saying if, he is saying this as a declarative statement. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. In the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So this is, the, this is the beginning of the words of comfort for the folks who believe that maybe because my friend passed away, even though he believed the same things I believe about Jesus, maybe he just missed out. And Paul's saying, no, 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 there's no missing out for those who fall asleep, those who have died. In 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul says, in fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body, that is dead, and at home with the Lord. To be away from the body is to be with the Lord. Philippians 1.23 tells us the same thing. When a believer dies, they go to be with Christ. There's not a gap for us. There's no hanging out someplace. There's no purgatory. There's no strolling around as a ghost, a good ghost or a bad ghost. For those who are found in Christ, to be alive is exactly what this looks like. And to be dead is to have our soul, our spirit go to be with the Lord Jesus immediately. But that's not the end of it. If it was, the sermon would be a lot shorter. Jesus is coming back. And that's what Paul's going to go on and talk about. Now, Jesus himself said so. We don't have to rely on Paul for that. Jesus said so in Luke 12, 40. He said, I'm coming back. And in John 14, he talks with his disciples about the fact that he's going away and he's going to come back. Paul, again, in 2 Corinthians 4, 14 says, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus. 
In verse 15, he says, we say this to you by a word from the Lord. He's saying, this is what the Lord has told me. And it's not him reading the commentaries, trying to figure out how it's going to play out. He's saying, this is what God told me. I'm telling it to you absolutely certain. We who are alive at the Lord's coming will not precede those who have fallen asleep. A different translation says, we who are alive at the Lord's coming will have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. So he's kind of disabusing them of this notion that because their friends have already passed away, that somehow they are disadvantaged or they're going to miss out. But Paul wants it to be clear what's going to happen when folks die or when folks have died, when the Lord comes back. And we're going to dive into that now. And, and what he's talking about now is not so much a play-by-play -play of how it's going to go as much as it is like, hey, let me, let me cut to the chase. So um, it's chocolate chip cookie time, y'all. Um, my wife and my son make the absolute best chocolate chip cookies in the world. Um, they are better than yours. They are better than your grandma's or your grandpa's or the dude at the bakery down the street. They're better. I know there's chocolate chips in them. I have no idea what else is in them. When they say we're going to make cookies, I don't say, please describe to me how. I say, tell me when they'll be ready. Come get me when they're ready and please don't wash the bowls before I've had a chance to lick them, right? I don't care about the process. I mean, I kind of care. I don't want them putting arsenic or something like that in it, but I don't really care about the process. I care about what it means for me. Um, we do that as sports fans sometimes, right? If you're baseball fans, the World Series ended last night. And so if you play around on baseball Twitter ahead of the World Series, people are like, Phillies in six, Astros in seven. That's kind of what Paul's doing here. Nobody's like, well, I think the Phillies are going to win in six. I think the first inning of the first game is good. like nobody walks through all of it, right? Super Bowl is going to be in a couple of months. It's going to be the Chiefs and Philly, and it's going to be Chiefs 35 to 28. I don't need to describe to you, and you don't want me to describe to you how they're getting those 35 and 28 points and when they come and all that. All you care, if you care at all, is that I think the Chiefs are going to beat the, did I say Phillies? It's the Eagles, whatever, it's Philly. Uh, thanks, Marcus is my football guy. Um, that's what Paul's doing here. He's gonna give them a little bit of detail, but he's not writing a recipe for the rapture. He's getting to the point, the heart of it and why it matters to them and why it should matter to us. He says this in verse 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So he's addressing their friends who are already gone. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Y'all thought the rapture was in Revelation. Nope. It's right here. Uh, the, he says caught up. The Greek word for that is harpazo. It meant caught up or snatched up. The idea is, is it's, um, there's some force behind it. Not a violence necessarily, but there's some force being caught up or snatched. The Latin translation of that is the word rapturo. We get the word rapture from. So this is where we get the concept of the rapture. Here's what he's telling his readers. And again, remember, this isn't the recipe, right? Don't, this, don't get hung up on the details, but here's what he's saying. Number one, Jesus is coming back. He said he would, he's going to, nothing has changed that. He's coming back and it's not going to be a secret. He says he's coming back with a shout. Now remember, this is the dude, dude, I always call God dude. And mostly when I'm standing here, sorry. Um, he was also fully dude for a little while. Um, for now, yeah. Uh, anyway, so glad we're not, we are podcasting. We're just not live streaming. So I've got a little bit of liberty. Um, all right. Anyway. 
Jesus is coming back and he's coming back with a shout. This is the God who spoke creation into existence. Can you imagine what would happen if he shouted? I can't fathom it. When I was younger, I used to spend time worrying about, is he coming back in Jerusalem? How am I going to know? Is it like some magical thing where he uncurls the world so we can all see him? Is he like, I don't know. But here's what I know. He's coming back with a shout. I don't think there'll be confusion when he shouts. Now, it may be one of those blinding light things where the people he's speaking to, those who are his, understand, and those who aren't his have no idea what's happening, but they know something's happening. But he's coming back with a shout. And the archangel Michael is going to get in on the victory cry. It tells us that he's going to cry out too. And then the trumpet of the Lord will, shout, will sound. The trumpet was a signal or a symbol for battle, for the day of the Lord and for victory. So all this is happening. Jesus is coming back. He's like, yeah! The archangel's like, yeah! The trumpet player's like, I don't, whatever. The trumpet player's playing. Here's the deal. What he's saying is when he comes back, you aren't going, Bailey's mocking me, you aren't going to miss it. There's not going to be this concern that he's going to come back, sneaking in. He's going to take a few of his away, and that's it. When he comes back, he's coming back big time. There's not going to be any missing it. And then he says, the dead in Christ will experience physical resurrection. Now, remember, we've already talked about, and Paul preached about again and again, that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. So when we die, soul goes to be with him. But when he comes back, there's going to be this reunion of soul and body. Now, we just came through spooky season. This seems like one of those things, right, that ought to be in one of those movies where all these zombie-looking things, I guess, get up, but they're super nice because they all love Jesus. They come out of the ground. What? Okay. It's fun to kind of think about, but did you know it's already happened a little bit? Please explain. All right, Matthew 27. Matthew 27, we're talking about Easter, the first Easter weekend. Verse 50 says this, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. You've been hanging around church a while. You've heard that voice. That's Jesus dying. You heard that verse. Verse 51 is also familiar. Suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and rocks were split. Been hanging around church a while. You've probably heard that before. Verse 54 is pretty well known. When the centurion and those who were with him were keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and the other things that had happened, they were terrified and said, truly, this man was the son of God. It's a familiar verse, right? I skipped a couple, 52 and 53. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints, faithful ones, who had fallen asleep, died, were raised they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. We don't talk about that one a lot. That's a weird one, dude. This is a little foretaste of what would happen when Jesus comes back. And when Matthew's writing and he says, appeared to many, that's his way of saying, you don't have to take my word for it. There were plenty of witnesses. Go check it out. That's his way of saying, I don't have to. I know it sounds weird, guys, but you don't have to believe me. There's plenty of people who have seen it. Go talk to them. 
What Paul is describing when Jesus comes back is the bigger, better, permanent, and all-inclusive version of that. When Jesus comes back, all those over the entire course of history who have been faithful followers of the Lord will physically, bodily rise. And their souls will meet with their bodies. I don't know how it all works. And Paul's point, by the way, is not particularly how it all works. Though I do think I'm going to contemplate moving like next to a cemetery or something so I can watch. Um, Paul's point, though, is that there will be an actual physical bodily resurrection. And as those raised bodies go to meet Jesus, those who are alive at the time will join them in the air. I guess, I don't know what that means. I don't know if we're floating, flying, we get wings, capes. I don't know. And Paul wasn't hung up on that, which is a weird thing to think about. Can you kind of picture this though? Like, I think I picture this differently now than I would have a few years ago. And I'd like to say it's because I'm more mature. or whole, It's basically just because of the Marvel movies. I kind of filter super cool stuff through that now. But take a moment. Like we watched a few weeks ago, when the Queen of England passed away, or some of you may have watched, she passed away either way, and there was all kinds of, of royal gatherings, royal proceedings, and, and kind of everything in England came to a little bit of a pause as they honored her. Um, can you imagine when the king of all creation comes back? And every one of his followers ever gets in on the celebration? Whatever I'm picturing isn't enough. It's not right. There's no way I can wrap my head around it. And Paul just moves on. Like it's not that big a deal. And when you, when you see where he's going, here's why the how doesn't matter so much. He doesn't care how the cookies are made. Here's the point. Verse 17, the end of it. And so, whether you were already dead or still alive when he showed up, if you are a brother and sister brother or sister, if you are a follower of Jesus, and so we will always be with the Lord. I almost shouted in my basement yesterday as I was working through this. This is the kind of verse that ought to make you, show, you know, stand up, shout, run around. Don't do that now. It'd be weird. We'd all freak out. But, and so we will always be with the Lord. He throws this little verse, this little end in what can feel like an afterthought to the incredible description of dead bodies rising and humans flying and, and, to meet dead bodies and Jesus in the air. But this is the whole thing. This is the point of literally all of it. So you and so I can always be with the Lord. This is the comfort and the encouragement that Paul offered to the Thessalonian church and the same comfort and encouragement that we can take. Those who believe that Jesus died and rose again will be with him always. Hebrews 9, 27, 28 tell us it is appointed for people to die once. We talked about that a little bit already. You're going to die. I'm sorry. You're going to. I'm going to. We're all going to die. And after that, we face judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Look, I, I don't know what your future holds. Maybe your soul is going to beat your body to the throne room and you're going to be one of those who's going to like zombify. Maybe he's coming back. Before I'm done, we're going to hear the trumpet and the yelling and 
We're just going to start flying. That's cool. The older I get, the more I'm ready for that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're all going to stand face to face with him one of these days. And what Paul was telling these believers is because you have believed in Jesus, this is your future. You will be with him always. So in the face of death, their own death or the death of their friends, their family, they could be and we could be not only comforted, but encouraged. It reminded me of this song. We sing it a bunch. Uh, I was hoping we were singing it today, but I, we not. We didn't, which is okay. Um, the song Christ, is Christ Be Magnified, and there's this line in it that says, because death is just the doorway into resurrection life. You spent some time there this week thinking about that. It'll change the way you view death. Death is just the doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. That's what Paul's talking about here. When you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing and my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified. That's my future. That's my future. The picture's gone. Uh, that's my future on days when I'm the super smiley, like those of you who know me know I'm never over there, or when I'm all the way at the other end and I just am not sure how I'm going to go on. My future is my heart will still be singing. My song will be the same. Oh, Christ, be magnified because I get to be with him forever. That's my future. I know. Is yours. This is the future for those who have believed that Jesus died and rose again and will be with him always. Paul offered this incredible hope to the Thessalonian church and we get to participate in it too. If only we will believe. Do you believe? Have you believed? Will you believe? I asked you earlier how you felt about death and dying, what you thought of. If the idea of death is terrifying to you, if the idea of your own death is terrifying to you, may I offer you some hope. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then your future also will be to be with him forever. I beg you, if you haven't done that, do that today. Believe in Jesus. And if you have already done that, maybe spend some time imagining what that day is going to be like. When he comes back in all of his power and all of his glory and just the king shows up in his full regalia to take the throne. Let me pray for us. Lord, I'm so thankful for the truth of this verse and um, the hope that it brings or this passage and the hope that it brings that we can be with you not just can be with you, but for those who believe, we will be with you. There's no escape clause from that. There's no way out. Um, and Lord, let us never want a way out. I pray that you would work now in every one of us to um, call us to belief. For those who have never believed, Father, would you call them to believe right now? Use your spirit to convince them, to tell them, to reveal to them the truth of who you are and what you've done, the truth of the Lordship of Jesus and the promise that they can always be with him. Father, for those of us who have believed, would you help our unbelief? Would you give us more belief and would you help us as we struggle day to day? Would you help us to look forward to that day and will you use that day and the promise of that day to change our attitudes, to change our hearts, to change our minds, that we can be comforted and encouraged 
not because, not because life is easy or because you'll make it easy, but because this life is just a stepping stone and death is just a doorway into real life with you forever. Would you help us understand that, to grasp that? Father, for those of us that are grieving loss and death right now, would you remind us that that's not the end? Would you give us the encouragement and the hope that this passage brings, Father? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we take our time now to respond, um, let me encourage you, if you haven't believed, you need to believe. Your future is not one with the Lord forever, and it's not one in some giant party where there are no Christians to hold you back. That's not what hell's like. If you have believed, man, just spend some time praising him, thanking him for what he's done, for this promise that is sure and certain, that is our hope. One of the ways we respond is uh, by taking communion together. We use this thing. This is a very weak substitute for any kind of real meal. But this little cracker thing at the top that represents the broken body of Jesus and the juice that represents his blood is a celebration of that day that's coming. It's a celebration of what he's done by laying down his life for us and promising that someday we will all physically sit around the table with him eating a much better, much more satisfying and much more calorie intense but calorie free meal. But this is for those who have believed. So if you haven't believed, I'm just gonna ask you not to, not to eat this now. Just watch, ask questions if you need to, but don't, don't take it. Um, we give because he gave everything for us. So we give back a little bit to, to remind ourselves that it's not our plans. It's not our resources. It's all the Lord's. And in a minute, we're gonna sing. We sing because that passage that we just read is true. The king that laid down his life for us is coming back. He's prepared a place for us. He's taking us there. And one of these days he's coming back with all of his regalia just to put his own power on display, that Christ would be magnified. So as we take time, as you take time to respond, do that. Um, if you have questions or need prayer, Josh and I will be at the back. You can come back and pray with us or ask us questions. We have these connection cards in the seats. If you've made, if you decided to follow Jesus today, decided to believe in him for the first time, mark that on there. Come tell us or mark it on there and put it in the offering box over there. Any other questions, anything, you can come see Josh or me at the back or mark it on that um, connection card and put it in the box and we'll follow up with you because we want to um, know what's going on and want to be able to walk through whatever it is with you. Because not every day is a super smiley day. And for, for a lot of people, most days aren't super smiley days. But wherever you are on that spectrum of faces, you can have this same hope that if you will believe in Jesus, one day you will be with him and then the next day you'll be with him and then the next, just all of forever. That's how forever works. It's just more days that never end in heaven that is far more wonderful than you or I could imagine. So you take some time and respond to whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in your life and then we'll sing some more.